And of course, you and I know the answer to that is no. Nothing is too hard for our God. Thank you so much. Well, uh, let's. Uh, how many of you brought your Bible with you tonight? Will you hold up the Bible all over the building? I want to ask you to join me, if you will, in the book of First Samuel tonight, chapter number six. And I want to look at some verses here in a moment and get you to leave your Bibles open and just follow me along here in a second. First Samuel chapter number 6, we're on page 324 if you have an old Schofield Bible. And uh, let's read this story here. And I want to talk to you tonight about, uh, I want to talk to you about some milk cows in the Bible milk cows. And if you'll look with me in this text tonight, I'm going to bring a message tonight on milk cows. Somebody said to go to church and go to work in the morning and say, what did y'all hear about at church last night? Well, heard about a bunch of milk cows. But really, it's a good thought here. I don't know if I'll preach it good, but it'll, it, it's a good thought regarding what happens in our text. Well, if you were with us on Sunday night, I believe it was Sunday night, I made mention of the fact that God was enlarging the coast of our church again uh, with Brother Greg Hall going out to take a church up at Community Baptist, not Community, but Blackwater Baptist Church up in the Ararat Eldora community of uh, Surrey County. And he's up there. He'll be pastoring. We'll be getting together an ordination service for him before long. And God is once again enlarging the coast of our church. We also tonight are saying goodbye to another family in our church who is also going out to help in another ministry, and that's Brother and Miss Hayes and their family. And so they'll be leaving us. This will be their last service with us. They also are going out to begin work in another ministry. And uh, so we're sure going to miss them, and I love the Hayes family dearly, and we'll certainly miss them in the coming days. Brother Hayes is, is a good man, and I thank God for him, and I hate to lose him. I'm going to quit praying God to enlarge our coast because we keep losing good families. And so let's do no more praying that. I'm going to pray, God bless us indeed, and uh, Lord, that put your hand on us, and God keep us from the evil, but forget that large in the coast stuff. Just forget it. But uh, we have lost some, I say lost. By the way, if you're going to lose families, that's the way to lose them, ain't it? Uh, go somewhere else and just spread a little bit of, uh, of woodland with them as they go. And, and God uses them to help others. And, and that's, what we're, that's what we're about is trying to help people. So uh, please pray for the Hayes family as they go out to begin work in a new ministry as well. And you may want to just dap them on with some knuckles tonight. Yeah, that's right. Just hit them right in the face with your knuckles. That's what they get for leaving, right? But anyway, sure appreciate them and pray for them in the coming days. Well, let's read. Well, let's don't read. Let's just jump into this text tonight and we'll get started. Let's pray. Father, bless your word, I pray, and help us tonight. Lord, please, may the hand of God uh, just be upon this text tonight. And God, may you teach us something about the Christian life by just watching some old cows from this text. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, for the last several weeks now, I guess months, we have been studying the life of one of Israel's greatest leaders. And I'm not talking about Moses or Joshua or David. I'm talking about a man by the name of Samuel. Samuel has to rank right up there at the top of, uh, of the greatest, most godliest leaders that Israel ever had. Samuel was a judge. And the judges were kind of just, I guess, filled the gap between Moses and Joshua up until the time of the inaugurations of the kings over the nation of Israel. In those in-between times covers a period of about 350 years from the death of Joshua till Israel got their first king in King Saul. There's a 350-year period there, but God had leaders in those days. But they wasn't Moses. There wasn't Moses or Joshua, and it wasn't kings. It was called judges. They were leaders over the land of Israel. And of the 15 judges that are mentioned in 
in the Bible, without doubt, the greatest, best one of them all, the one who was head and shoulders above all the others, was this man by the name of Samuel. We have spent a lot of time in the opening chapters of his story talking about his mother and talking about his mentor and even talking about his ministry. And then when we hit chapter 4, we kind of have a break in the story of Samuel. He kind of just fades out of the picture for an interlude or a break in the story and doesn't really step back onto the, 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 the stage again until 1 Samuel chapter number 7. But in those three intervening chapters, we have the events that will bring us back to the story of Samuel. Some of the greatest events of the Old Testament, I guess maybe some of the funniest events of the Old Testament take place in 1 Samuel 4, 5, and 6. If I had to give them a subtitle, I would talk about in chapter 4 the ark being taken. The ark is taken. In chapter number 5, the, Philist the Philistines are shaken. And in chapter number 6, as we're going to see tonight, the cows are bacon. And that's the three chapters that, that lead us back into the story of Samuel. The ark being taken. Boy, what a, an event that was in the Old Testament. The ark was the most important piece of furniture in the Old Testament tabernacle. By the way, most important piece of furniture is ever made by human hands. That ark represented God more so than any other article of furniture in that Old Testament tabernacle. You may remember that a battle was getting ready to break out between the Philistines and the nation of Israel. While they're waiting on the big battle to start, a little skirmish breaks out and right off the bat, 4,000 soldiers in the land of Israel are killed. The, the Philistines kill 4,000 Israelites. Well, somebody gets wise and says, hey, let's go grab the ark, as if grabbing the ark and bringing it into that crisis would make everything all right. You know, there's a lot of people that want to go out and disobey God and live just any old way. And yet when troubles comes and crisis comes in their life, they want to go grab God and bring him into it as if to say, God like he's a magic genie, rub a bottle, he'll pop out, say a few words, and the crisis is over and the problems go away. Well, we learn from the nation of Israel, it just don't work like that. Amen? You can't flaunt, I can't flaunt my sin in the face of a holy God and expect God to come and rescue me when I get into trouble. When the chickens of my choices come home to roost, I'm telling you, God will not rescue me. That's true of the nation of Israel. That's true of America. That's true of any Christian, uh, that God expects us to honor him and God will help us in the time of trouble. The ark was taken. Then in chapter 5 last week, boy, did those Philistines get shaken. I mean, boy, they, they don't know. They just don't know what they've got in their hands as well as on their hands when they possess the ark. Remember last week I told you God was behind enemy lines. That's right. They took that ark, carried it back uh, to their land, put it in the house of Dagon, their God, and you talk about troubles. They got troubles without end. I'm telling you, I mean to tell you that thing was like a hot potato in the hands of those Philistines. They didn't know what to do with it. I mean, the first thing they did when they carried it, set it in the house of Dagon, their God, they come in the next morning, he's laying on his face because every knee is going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. God the Father. There are no gods. There is only one God. Can I have an amen? When is our world going to wake up and understand there's one God and beside him, Isaiah 45, 20, there is none else. 
All other little g-gods fail in comparison to the big g-god, the God of glory and the God of heaven. Well, I mean to tell you, they're having problems. Their, 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 their chief god has fallen down. He's crumbled in pieces. And then they, they're all getting sick. They got emeralds, tumors and swellings, and, and the rats are running around everywhere. And they finally decide, we have got to get rid of this hot potato. We have got to get rid of the ark. But everywhere they send it, trouble follows. I mean, in verse number 5 of chapter number 1, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse number 1, they bring it to Ashdod. In verse number 8, they can't leave it there, so they carry it to a place by the name of Gath, and it's the same result. People are getting sick. The heavy hand of a holy God is bearing down on them. People are dying like crazy. Rats are running around everywhere. So they say, let's get it out of Gath. Verse 10, they take it to Ekron. Once again, the same results. And they're so shook up, they say, we have got to get rid of this ark. So that brings us now to chapter number 6 in the story of the milk cows, all right? So join me now in chapter 6. They're trying to get rid of the ark. So chapter 6, verse 1, And the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. Can I say that's seven months too long? They've had it. Uh, in verse 2, the Philistines called for the priest and the diviner, saying, What shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to its, uh, to its place. And the Bible said, and they said, verse 3, If you send away the ark of God, uh, the God of Israel, send it not empty, but in any wise return him a trespass offering. Then shall ye be healed, and it shall be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Now drop down to verse number 7. Now they're going to get rid of it. So the Bible said, Now therefore make a new cart and take two milch kind. Now, Psy County translation. Get you a new cart and two milk cows. And the Bible said there in verse 7, On which there had come no yoke, and, the, and tie the kind to the cart, and bring their calves home from them. And take the ark of the Lord and lay it upon the cart and put the jewels of gold which you return for a trespass offering and a coffer by the side thereof and send it away that it may go. And then they said this, And see if it goeth up uh, the, by the way of his own coast to Beth Shemesh. Then uh, he hath done this great evil. So it's a test. They said, Man, if that thing takes off toward Beth Shemesh, you'll know God done that. Then it said this, but if not, verse 9, uh, then you shall know that it is not his hand that smote us. It was chance, a chance that happened to us. And the men did so, took two milch kind, tied them to the cart, shut up their calves at home, and they laid the ark of the Lord upon the cart and the coffer with the mice of gold and the images of their emeralds. And the kind took the straight way. Uh, to the way of Bashemesh, and went along the highway, lowing as they went, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them under the border of Bashemesh. And they of Bashemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, and they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. And the cart came into the field of Joshua, a Beshemite, and stood there where there was a great stone. And they claved the wood of the cart and offered the kind for a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the Levites took the ark of the Lord and the coffer that was, the very, uh, that was in it, wherein the jewels of gold were, and put them on the great stone. And the men of Bethshemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrificed sacrifices the same day unto the Lord. Verse 16, And when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they 
they returned to Ekron the same day. I'm interested tonight in this story uh, involving these milk cows. And what do we learn about the Christian life from the milk cows? Well, let's talk about these cows for just a moment. First of all, I want you to look at verse number 9 and 10. And I want you, I'll talk a little bit about the direction, the direction of these cows. Now, let me stop and tell you this. i got to fill in the blanks. God had already given specific instructions on how the ark was supposed to be transported. The ark was never supposed to be touched, per se, by human hands. When it come time, when the, when the glory, the, the Shekinah cloud, the glory of the Lord lifted off the, uh, the ark, the Old Testament tabernacle, here's what would happen. Aaron would go into the holiest of all. He would take down that big old veil. Remember there was a veil that separated the holy place from the holiest of all. We would call that a curtain a veil that separated those two compartments of the tabernacle. Well, Aaron, when it came time to move, would go in and he would take that veil down off, a, off, its, off its rod. And then he would go in there and he would take that veil and he would wrap it, according to Numbers 4, he would wrap it around that ark. And then a group of people by the name of the Kohathites would come in there and they would have these long poles now, underneath the ark, remember, there were, there were rings underneath that ark. And what they would do is these Kohathites would come in with these golden staves or golden poles. It was wood overlaid with gold, and they would slide that wood through those round, those round holes underneath that ark, and then those Kohathites would pick it up. And they had the responsibility of transporting that ark from one place to the next place. Now, it's obvious these Philistines have never had a course in Ark Transportation 101. They never had, uh, uh, you know, heard about wrapping the Ark in the veil. And they didn't know a Kohathite from a termite. They never had heard any of this stuff. And, and so when they come to move this Ark, all they know about it is this thing's got to go. I mean, it's destroying our country. It's destroying our nation. People are dying like crazy from COVID-19. It's rampant in our land. The rats are running everywhere. We have got to get rid of this ark. So what do they do? They stamp a note on the side of it, return to sender. And to the best of their ability, here's what they do. They get a new cart, two milk cows that have never been in a yoke. They put those two milk cows in a yoke, slap that ark up on top of that cart, slap them cows on the backside, and them cows take off. And the direction that those cows go in tells these Philistines that either God was in charge or responsible for everything that was happening, or it was just by coincidence. How many of y'all are with me? I got to thinking about these cows, the direction that they took. Would you notice in verse number, uh, uh, verse number 12, the Bible said, and the kind took the straight way. Can I stop and long enough to say, thank God for cows who walk the straight way. Amen. Amen. The straight way. They took the straight. Now, I don't know if you know anything much about cows, but cows don't walk in straight lines. Any of you have ever had cows, been around cows? Cows walk in crooked 
crooked paths. One cow will follow another cow. We used to live right, uh, we had a cow pasture behind my house the whole time I was living, and I would watch those cows. Every morning they would be turned out to graze in the pasture. They had a creek down at the bottom of the hill, and those cows, they would follow the tree line to stay out of the heat of the sun during the day. So they would hug that tree line as the sun rose and set. They would stay in the shade of that tree line, and they followed the same path through that pasture every day. Same path. And when you got out there and looked at that path, it looked like a snake. You know why? Cows don't walk in straight lines. I mean, there's something unusual about these cows right up front. You know why? We're told that they're walking the straight way. By the way, can I say this? When you get in yoke with the Lord Jesus, you'll want to walk the straight way. Amen. I wouldn't give you a half a hallelujah for people, a person that says they're saved and they're not interested in walking the straight way. Amen. If there's ever been a day when God's people ought to walk the straight way, it ought to be in this day. You know why? I'll tell you why. Just as these Philistines were following those cows that were pulling that ark to try to determine, is it God? Is it not God? Is it God? Or is it just coincidence? They were watching the way these cows walked to determine if God's hand was involved in all of it. I mean, I just see them. I mean, they're following that cart and those cows. They're following that thing as it makes its way along the road. I mean, they're, they're looking in the bushes. They're pulling them back. They're watching that thing as it goes that way. And sure enough, when it takes the straight way to Bethshemus, they know the hand of God was in all of this. In other words, let me say it like this. They're saying, man, it was a God thing. God is responsible for what happened. We know that by the way the cows walked. Can I stop and say tonight and just remind us all, people are watching our lives. And watch this. The way you walk and where you walk will determine where the people reach the conclusion there is a God or there is no God. Amen. We got to be careful because people are watching our lives. What is that verse over in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 2, where Paul said, Ye are our epistle, known and written in our hearts. You know what Paul said? Paul said our lives are like an open Bible, and people won't pick up the Bible. Lost people won't pick up the Bible and read it, but I'll tell you what they will do. They'll watch your life. They'll watch my life. And, buddy, how we walk and where we walk will help them to determine, yes, it's God, or no, it's not God. we got to be careful how we walk as a people of God in these days. The direction, the direction of these cows. wonder who's watching you. I never will forget years ago, uh, there was a lady, there was a man, I was trying to get him saved. And, uh, boy, right now his name for, it leaves my mind but I was trying to get him saved. And, uh, and, and, and I did get him to start coming to church. He came two or three times, actually came two or three times in a row. And then we had one of those Sundays where we had a snow Sunday, and we had to miss that Sunday, and the next Sunday he didn't come back. Well, I went to visit him, and I said to him, I said, you know, I, man, I missed you at church. I, you know, I've been praying for you. Sure would like to see you get saved, talk to him a little bit. And so I started to leave after my visit. I started to leave, and he said, by the way, before you leave, can I ask you a question? I thought, oh, Lord, here it comes. But his question was this, uh, is Miss Barrett okay? I said, Miss Barrett? He said, yeah. 
He said, and by the way, Miss Barrett lived right beside of him. And uh, he said, yeah, he said, I normally sit in here every Sunday morning and I'm eating my breakfast and I'll see her come out, get in the truck and go by up the road and I'll know she's going to church. He said, I just hadn't seen her go out the last two or three weeks. I was just wondering if she's okay. Boy, I tell you, I thought to myself, wonder who's sitting, eating her crap and crunch, waiting for me to drive by on Sunday morning. Hey, wonder who's watching your life. Waiting for you to drive by on Sunday morning. Know that you're going to church. I'm telling you, they won't read the Bible, but they'll watch you and they'll watch me. Are we saying to people, there is a God, that God makes a difference in people's lives, or by our lives, the double standard of them, are we saying one thing but living a completely different and thereby causing people to stumble? These men reached the conclusion that the hand of God was in all of this. Why? I'll tell you why. By the way the cows walked. Oh, may God help you and me to walk in... I know we're not going to be perfect, are we? Well, three of us aren't. We're not going to be perfect. None of us are. We all sin every day of our life. We all have our personal battles, our personal struggles. We all go through hard times. I get all that, but can I just stop and say this? God help us to walk the straight way. You know why? I'll tell you why. There's some Philistines peeking through the bushes wanting to know if it's real or not real. Amen. God, I know I'm preaching to the Sunday morning crowd. Y'all walk straight. I get all that. But the direction of these cows. Now look again at this text. Let's talk not only about the direction of these cows, but I thought about this, the determination of these cows. The determination. Did you notice a phrase there in verse 12 where it says this? In verse number 12, it said, They turn not aside to the right hand or to the left. I mean, from the time they pushed God up on the back of that cart, these cows was going to do one thing and one thing only. They was going to walk a straight way. They weren't going to turn aside to the right hand, and they weren't going to turn aside to the left hand. Now, you've got to know an old cow could get easily distracted. I mean, they're pulling that thing. And by the way, well, I'll tell you that in a moment, but they're pulling that ark on, on the back of this cart and you can just imagine, oh, cow, it's 20 miles. It's 20 miles from Ekron to Bethshemesh. That's a pretty good haul back in them days. And, and, I mean, they're being divinely led by the providential hand of Almighty God. I mean, God is driving them cows. God's in the back. God's in the cart. <laughs> and he's driving them cows up through there because he wants them Philistines to know it, there is a God, and, and God, God is mighty, and he's powerful. He wanted them to know that. And he's driving that thing up that road. But you know them old cows had to get distracted. I mean, can you just imagine right over here? I mean, they've been pulling, they're sweating, and there's a babbling brook right over here with cool, refreshing water. And one looks at the other and says, think we ought to move on over there and get some of that water? Maybe the other said, no, man, we got to keep going the straight way. Maybe they come by a big old clover field. You know how cows are in clover. And maybe one looked at the other and said, thank you, want to move over there and get some of that clover? And I said, no, sir, we can't. We got to go the straight way. And they turned not aside to the right hand nor to the left. Boy, we're living in days when people are turning aside to the right hand and to the left. They're getting distracted. They're getting off the straight way. Amen. I mean, what would have happened to these Philistines if them cows would have got off, distracted in some field somewhere, got lost and started pulling that thing in circles? Them Philistines would have probably said, ain't nothing to it. We knew the whole time. Ain't nothing to it. Looky there. They can't even walk the straight way. 
But I'm telling you, they didn't get distracted, didn't turn aside to the right hand or to the left. And I got to thinking about this. Look at our text. I got to thinking about they didn't turn aside to the right hand or the left in spite of the heavy things. Now, here's what I read this week. Brother John Moxley is here tonight, and he could probably elaborate on this a whole lot more than I can. But we know that ark had to be heavy. I mean, we're talking about a kale wood, hard wood. We're talking about a kale wood, heavy wood, and then it's overlaid with pure gold. We're talking about commandments on stones being put in that thing. We're talking about a pot of manna and a rod being placed in that thing. And then if that isn't bad enough, this box, wooden box overlaid with pure gold, then add on top of that a slab of pure gold with cherubims on the end of it with their wings spread wide looking down on the mercy seat. You know that thing had to be heavy. I mean, one estimated, estimation that I read said that that art probably weighed between 625 and 650 pounds. I mean, we're talking about something heavy, pulling that. Here's these two milk cows, and they're pulling that thing along. But the Bible said they didn't turn aside to the right hand or to the left in spite of the heaviness of the thing. You know, life is full of heaviness, isn't it? There's problems, struggles. I mean, just about the time you think things are going pretty good, life comes along, knocks the breath out of you. I mean, something happens. One of the kids does something, um, lose a job, a sickness comes, a death comes. I mean, just breezing right along, and one of these heavy things falls down upon us, but they didn't quit. They didn't turn aside to the right hand or to the left in spite of the heavy things. I know folks in here tonight probably carrying some heavy loads. Your wagon's loaded down. You got some heavy things going on in your life. But can I just encourage you? The Philistines are watching. They're peeking through the bushes. They're watching us. And the way we walk and where we walk is going to determine what they think about our God. We can't quit just because life gets heavy. One brother, Brother Moxley, talking about him a moment ago, the last time he did the tabernacle here, so we had the whole thing set up here, and every night he was preaching about it. How many of y'all remember that? I don't know how long ago it's been, but we had that whole thing, Brother John, spread all over this thing. Well, don't you know, it's a whole week long, so we're going Monday, Sunday through Friday. He's walking us through the tabernacle, and don't you know right in the middle of that thing, somebody died, and we had to have a funeral right here in this church. Well, me and maybe Brother Dwayne, I can't remember, but we had to move the tabernacle. I ain't a Kohathite. And we had to move the tabernacle. But I tell you, by far and away, the heaviest thing that we moved that whole week was the Ark of that Covenant. I mean, it was heavy. And we picked that thing up and moved it. And I, it's just wood sprayed with gold paint. And it was heavy. Can you just imagine how heavy this was on these cows? But they didn't quit. Listen, we can't quit. we got to keep going the straight way. Because... The Philistines are watching the heavy things. Look again in our text, and I put this down. Not only do we see their determination in the heavy things, we see their determination in the heartbreaking things. I want you to look again at this text. Did you notice there in verse 12, and it says right in the middle of the verse, they were lowing as they went? I mean, their hearts broke. 
They're crying. They're lowing. You ever heard a cow low before? One of the most pitiful, two of the most pitiful sounds in the world to me is number one, a dove, and number two, a cow crying. I mean, it's pitiful. And here they are. Watch this. They're pulling this heavy ark going along through there, and they're lowing as they, as they walk. Their heart's broken. Tears are running down their eyes. Why? Why are they crying? Why is their heart breaking? I'll tell you why. Maybe a good indication is where it says there at the end of verse number 10 that they shut their babies up at home. Did you see that? The Bible said there at the end of verse number 10, and they shut their calves, these two milk cows, they shut their calves up in the stall. So here they are. They've got to go the straight way, not turn aside to the right hand or the left, and they're leaving their babies behind, locked up in the barns. And by the way, they ain't going to see them babies no more. I'll tell you why in a minute. Last time they'll ever see them youngins. They're locked up at the barn. They're on their way the straight way. The heart-breaking things. Boy, I got to thinking about this. Boy, life is full of heartbreaking things as well as heavy things, isn't it? You know something? We got to make up our mind that we're going the straight way. Even, watch this, come here, come here, come here. Even if our babies don't want to go, we got to walk the straight way. You know something? I love my children with all my heart. I'd gladly step out in front of a speeding locomotive for any of them. But my kids are raised now. They live by my convictions in my home as long as they were there. But now they're on their own, except for one of them. They got to make their own convictions. And they may not want things like daddy had it, like daddy had it. They got to develop their own convictions now. They've got to get their own standards. They've got to make up their own minds how they're going to go, where they're going to go. And they may not want to walk the straight way with Daddy, but can I tell you something? My babies may not want to go, but that don't mean I can quit. Your babies may not want to follow you. Your babies may have developed some worldly philosophies and ideologies. Maybe they've gone off to these schools and, man, this stuff's been pumped into their mind and now they've, they're, they're, they're totally opposite of where you've stood and where you stand th through all these years and you're going. And they say, well, we're just going to stay back here at the barn. Be that as it may, if the babies want to go, hallelujah, and if the babies don't want to go, we can't quit. You know why? The Philistines are watching. They're looking at our lives. And there's going to be some heartbreak. There's going to be some people that's going to say, we don't want to go that way. We want to go our own way. We want to do our own thing. And my kids, they've got to make up their mind what they're going to do. But by the help and the grace of God, it's for me and my house, I want to serve the Lord. I want to walk the straight way. Hey, I want to go with God. Whichever way God's going is the way I want to go, regardless of what the babies do. But I tell you, it ain't easy to leave your babies behind. But you've got to walk the straight way. Got to have an amen. The determination of these cows. They walked on in spite of the fact their hearts were broken. The babies were shut up back at the barn. But not only notice the direction of these cows and the determination of these cows, but I want you to see thirdly what I would call the dedication of these cows. Notice how dedicated they were. The Bible said that, uh, the, uh, verse 13, 12, the lords of the Philistines went after them under the border 
of Beth Shemesh. Again, they're watching. They want to know, is this God or is it not God? Boy, I want the world to know there is a God and he's real and he's powerful. So verse number 13 said, and they of Beth Shemesh, they were reaping the wheat harvest in the valleys. They lifted up their eyes and notice this, they saw the cows and rejoiced to see it. Is that what your Bible said? No. They didn't say anything about the cows. Hey, can I stop and say this? They didn't say, Woo! Look at them cows, praise God. Them old cows done brought God back. Hey, thank God for the cows. No, don't even mention the cows. They're happy to see God back. They're happy to see the ark back. They overlook completely the cows. Look at me. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's not about us anyway. Hey, we're, we've messed up if all we're going to do is applaud the cows. It ain't about the cows, excuse my English. It's about God coming back. The Bible said they rejoiced to see the ark. Didn't even say anything about the cows. He must increase. The cows must decrease. Amen. And then it says this, look at verse 14. And the cart came into the field of Joshua, Beshemite, and stood there. And there was a great stone. And they claved the wood of the cart and offered the kind for a burnt offering unto the Lord. When those cows had finished their task that God had placed upon them, as they were divinely driven the straight way to Beshemite, the Bible said when they could do no more, they gave their lives. You know something? We don't know much about sacrifice anymore, especially in America. You know, we think our idea of persecution is we don't get invited to the Tupperware party because we're a crazy Christian. Home interior. Do they still have home interior? Mary Kay. So I said, well, I'll tell you, I'm suffering for Jesus. I didn't get an invite to the Mary Kay party because I'm a Christian. That's our idea of persecution and sacrifice. You know, uh, us men, well, I got to go to church tonight. I'm going to sacrifice and miss the ball game. That's our idea of sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice, miss the wrestling match. I'm going to really sacrifice. We don't know anything about it. But these old cows, when they done all they could do, when there was nothing more they could do, they gave their life for the cause of God and right. I'm just trying to say all this. Thank God for these cows. They teach us how to sacrifice for the Lord. I have a book in my office by John, by John I'm sorry, by Stephen Alford. And the book, the whole book is about tithing. It really is. It's just one sermon after the next sermon after the next sermon. It's called The Grace of Giving. It's a whole book about tithing. But in one of those sermons, he uses this illustration that he had been called to South Korea to hold a revival meeting over there. And you've got to understand, those South Korean Christians, man, they got it going on over there, even to this day. So he goes over there, and, he, and he's holding this revival meeting in South Korea. So one afternoon, between the services, the pastor invites Stephen Alford, who's from South Africa, invites him to go for a walk in the South Korean countryside. So they're just going out, strolling along. Stephen Alford in this book said he saw one of the strangest sights he'd ever saw before. 
And he said he was so enamored by it, he just went over there and propped up against the fence post and watched it because he said out there in the, on, in the hillside of the fields was a man with the traces around him pulling a plow while another man was behind him trying to keep the plow in the road. He said, I never saw anything like that in my life. He said, I leaned up there and just watched this man pulling a plow and the other guy trying to hold on to it. And he said, he asked the pastor, he said, what's going on with that? And the pastor said, well, their church had a financial need this year. And those men didn't have any money to give, so they sold their oxen to give money to their church. So now they're having to pull their own plow. Can I tell you something? That's sacrifice. These cows gave their all. You heard about the church that was taking up a special offering and uh, the preacher was encouraging everybody, man, give, do your best. Give what you can. Do your best for God. Help our church out. So the Sunday came and they started passing the plate down and they came to this row where this little boy was at on the end of the row and, and uh, he said uh, to the usher, he said, do you mind... Pull, putting that plate down just a little bit lower. And the usher said, you mean here? He said, no, I'm, I'm a little lower. He said, right here. He said, no. He said, would you mind just sitting it on the floor? And the usher set the plate on the floor and said, what are you doing? And the little boy stepped over into the plate. He said, I don't have any money to give. All I have to give is myself. That's it. We can give our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord, which is our reasonable service. The least we can do. By the mer I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. On the basis of the mercies of God, we ought to live our life daily, walking the straight way. Understanding the Philistines are looking, watching, and how we walk and where we walk is going to help them to reach proper conclusions about our God. And when we can do no more, let's give everything we got to the Lord. He gave everything He had for us. What is that song the choir sings? He left it all to die on Calvary. He left it all for you and for me. I mean, man, the only thing Jesus bought while He was here on this earth was me and you didn't have anything, but he came here and gave it all so that you and I could be saved. How can we sit back and say no to our church and no to the preacher and no to God? How can we just sit back and say, I will not do that. I can't do that. I'm too busy. I, won't, I can't give that. I can't get involved. How can we do all that when Jesus did all that he did for us? I'm not trying to lay you on a guilt trip. I'm just saying, man, they gave it all. They gave it all. They were sacrificed on the, on the altar. Amen. Well, let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for the story of these cows.